Hey everybody, and welcome to the Practica Podcast, where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry in the local church. I am one of your hosts, Josh Loftus, here with my co-host, uh, I was going to say in crime, but... I, I thought you I forgot my name. I don't know. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, I've been staring at you for, you know, 10 minutes now, and I just can't quite place you. <laughs> David. Yes, How sir. are you, my man? I am full. Dude, we I had a great full. breakfast this morning. We did. You took me to, well, okay, the original plan fell through. Yeah. Because I was going to come up and record, mm-hmm. and you said, hey, before we do that, let me take you to this gonna awesome place. It's going to take you to Joy's Bakery. Joy's Bakery. Yeah. Yeah, but they're closed. They're too cool, and they make too much money to be open every day of the week. So, Man, the elites. Yeah. We'll so never know. Tuesdays. Yeah, we'll never know. We'll never know. But I took you to Trainwreck, and that was pretty fantastic. Trainwreck was... Really good. Yeah. 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 I, that, that was a good spot. I will go back. Good. But, the, but then you, but then you showed me like they have like two restaurants because we went to one where like we got breakfast. Yeah. But then there's a pizza joint also. Yeah. Which also sounds amazing. Before it was a pizza joint too. It used to be a, it was a coffee shop before you had the money. Yeah. And it was interesting. I would always do like meetings in there. Mm-hmm. So I'd like go buy a ton of coffee and go meet with people. I'd do sermon prep there. It's a really, it was a fun, it's still a fun spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, how's their pizza? Excellent food. Oh, it's so good. Is it good? Colton got me hooked on their pizza. So Colt. there's, I know, this I know, guy. I know. I love it. Yeah. He's, good stuff. he's the one who's always introducing me to new foods, new We all new need things. a friend like Colton then. We do. If Colton's that friend for you. Yeah. Like we all need that friend who's like, hey, yeah. Have you tried this? Have you gone here? He introduces me to good foods and shows, and I introduce him to good theology. So it's a partnership. I mean, it sounds like a fantastic pay. Like it is. It's a give and take. It is. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, I give, he takes. Oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, (laughs) but I could just imagine him listening to this right now. (laughs) Horrible! I could just imagine him listening to this right now. I do not condone (laughs) that whatsoever. I'm sure that's not true. I'm gonna get. Don't send any your hate. Colton's a wonderful brother. Don't send hate mail to me. Caring for me in in my recovery. So that's it. Your recovery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which Dude, I'm as we're sitting sand, here. Sands oxygen today. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not wearing any oxygen. I'm recovering from a head cold now. It's like one thing after another. I know. Um, I know. So on our way to the restaurant today, I'm in David's truck and he's sniffing like a yeah like close a toddler, close proximity. Right? Yeah, close proximity. I'm like, man, you got allergies or is that a cold? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a cold. I'm like, well, no, no. <laughs> That's not what you say, and that they, with those two options that I gave you, yeah, the way I you responded, yeah, was not for the cold. <laughs> yeah, so now I know. I appreciate it. I'm probably, but you know what? Like you said, you give, people take. <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling. Hopefully, you don't take this one. I have a feeling I might not have a choice. But yeah. here we go. We are here. We're gonna record. We've got some work to do. But by the grace of God, and we're gonna we're gonna do it. Yeah. So yeah. So all right. Well. Where are we today? We're in first. We're in chapter two now. Chapter two. Yeah, we're moving along. I feel like chapter one went quite quickly. Um, of course, I could have taken it a little more slow, but um, my sight was really set on going slowly through chapter two. There's yeah. a lot in chapter two that I think is important to discuss and wrestle with. Um, you know, this Sunday we'll get into verses three through six in the next exposition. And I think some of those verses are really important to to wrestle with and chew on. But verse one and two of chapter one 
in a sense, as some theologians have noted, it, it's, it's, it's as if John is pausing um, in his series of if we say statements and yeah. really combating the false teaching of the false teachers in that day. Um, so I, I think it, it was really valuable to just do two verses. Um, I don't know if you want to read it first, and then yeah. we can, I can kind of give an overview. Perfect, perfect. Yep, yep, yeah, why don't we do that? So we are in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 2. This is what it says. The heading of this chapter is Christ our Advocate. Verse 1, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hmm. What a comforting verse, especially with the the previous verses that we have covered that have been yeah. hard. Yeah, you know, they have some been hard. hard. Some hard truths, right? Yeah. Uh, John comes through here with this verse that uh, I absolutely love, and yeah. it's it's there, there's so much meat on this bone. Um, I'm excited to get get into it. So why don't you give yeah. us a quick overview sure. of Sunday morning's sermon, and then we will start getting into the practical application of of First John one, one yeah. or two one through two. Absolutely. So in this exposition, you know, one of the things that was important to convey was how chapters and verses are not part of the inspired word; they are helpful additions yeah. to our bound Bibles. Um, and so they they kind of guide us, you know, when the preacher says, I'm going to be in these verses of this chapter, we can know where he's at. Um, but it was important to know that this section is not disconnected from what John has said. He said some hard things about sin and how we need to um, walk in the light. And so it was important to be encouraged in context. And so our outline for those two verses, as I often give to to the church, is that since we are children of God, we have a great advocate who is our propitiation for sin. And so in that, of course, we really focused on some key things. One, um, John's uh, hopeful exhortation here in these two verses is, is exclusive to believers. Um, he's really trying to address them. He says, my little children, which was a terminology that Jesus used to the disciples in John 13. And so through this, we kind of see that as we are children of God, because of God's mercy and his grace, we have Christ. And and that is not a license to sin. That Okay, well, Jesus died for my sins, so I can just then go do whatever I want. It was part of what the false teachers were saying, to, to dumb it down a little bit. But really, John is saying, no, be serious about sin, um, be serious about your Savior, and when you do wrestle with sin, you have an advocate. And of course, it was fascinating because um, Jesus uses the terminology um, in John 14 about the Holy Spirit, that he was going to send another helper. And so, in First John gives us this picture that Jesus is our first advocate, he's our first helper. Um, and so, we really looked at how he is our advocate, um, that he does not plead our case, he does not claim innocence for us, but he advocates based on his own righteousness, which is why John calls him the righteous one, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so through that, he's the propitiation for our sin. I really tried to hammer home propitiation, and I think it's a it's a difficult technical word at times, but it's important because 
only Christ is the final advocate and propitiation. I focused, of course, a lot on Hebrews and and leaned on passages because what we find in the old system, the sacrificial system for Israel, is that all of those were types and shadows of what was to come in Christ. And so Christ is the final advocate. Never again are there sacrifices to look to or hope for. It's that if we are wrestling in sin, and we were not only grieved over that, but we long to go to Christ with it, confessing it genuinely, then John gives us an encouraging, hopeful statement that you have an advocate. You, you This is not something for you to need to wrestle with alone or continue to walk in darkness, but you actually have one, Christ the righteous, who is your advocate, and he's interceding for you to the Father, and he is your propitiation for your sin. So I, I think something that obviously becomes really valuable to talk about in practical application is that you know, we can often read scriptures in a certain tone. Um, you know, we can read chapter one in an, in an angry tone of, you know, if we say, then here's what's going to happen. And then and then a different, maybe carry that over into chapter two, what, yeah. what John's saying here. And so I think what, what becomes valuable in these kind of conversations is to really discuss how this becomes, how this is hopeful to the Christian, how this provides um, a, an assurance you know, and so I think that really is what we what we find in this exposition um, is is great hope and great encouragement. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah, and it's it's. I think I like what you said about we we have to be careful not to divorce scripture from its context, right? And and to view yeah. this like although we do have chapter breaks and things like that, right? They aren't part of the original letter that John would have sent. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um so all of this would have been read in one sitting. Right. right. So you would have gotten much like, you know, like much like watching like a movie or something like that. Like you're getting all the context in one sitting versus yeah. okay, we're going to watch the first like 10 minutes and then and then stop, and then maybe yeah. watch the next ten minutes tomorrow. Right? right. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. And that'd be a frankly a horrible way to watch a movie. <laughs> actually, <laughs> dude, I heard somebody. This might have been. I forget who told me the story, but like somebody was going through like the Lord of the Rings for like youth group or something like that. But they would like watch like they'd watch it in like twenty minute segments. Oh wow! So the first their first exposure to like the Lord of the Rings trilogy was it like in twenty minute segments through. Oh <laughs> Can you, wow! I couldn't think of a worst way, that, a more horrible way to experience. That's a long. That's a long experience. Well, it's too. a long experience, and I can't think of a worse way to experience like the greatest trilogy of all time. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> which on is just TV. which is that's just the yeah, other worst way. Yeah, on TV. <laughs> on TV. Yeah, on TV. It's like all made the for TV. Breaks oh, and... that'd be horrible. Yeah, oh, that'd be awful. But anyway, back to back to where we're at. Um, like, can we? So, I want to start getting in into the practical, uh, uh, the practical thing here. Something that I do love about John is just the way that he addresses the people at the beginning of chapter two, my little children. It's this, it's this very endearing, like very loving, gracious tone that that he is displaying to them. Right. Um, Right. And then the truths that he goes on to say are just as gracious, right? I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Right. So, he he's giving the applicate he's giving the reason for the truth is like what i'm about to tell you is the reasoning 
for you not to sin. Right. right. That these truths, if you're looking for a reason to not sin, which we have many, this is the ultimate. This is one of the biggest ones, right? And we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Um, I love the term that he gives Christ there. And I don't think mm-hmm. you see it, to my acknowledgement, anywhere else in Scripture where, where it's almost that, that title, and it's Jesus Christ the righteous. Hmm. And can we go into just the application real quick of of that? And when we talk about Christ being our advocate, and when he when we talk about him being our righteousness, I think there's massive implications and practical application for those being true, as well as on the other side, if that was not true, um, where does that leave us as people, right? Um, so let's let's start maybe if we can just real quick with if Christ was not our advocate, if righteousness was not imputed to us, yeah, it might be an obvious an obvious uh, conclusion, but for the sake of argument, let's talk about it for a second. Where does that leave us? Yeah, <laughs> as God's people. Well, oh man, for one, we're not God's people. No, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's the reality. Um, at the end, I had brought up John 3, but another passage I had referenced a couple times off and on in the exposition was Romans 3, where Paul is really clear. No one has sought God. No one is righteous. No, not one. And Paul was also painting, a, a, in a sense, a hopeless picture, but getting to the reality of justification. Mm-hmm. And so if, man, if if we don't have Christ's righteousness, um, we have our, our foolish and failing attempts at thinking we can almost brush ourselves up to become to become children. We can we can do certain things to to sustain ourselves right. and and be able to be right with God. And I think the terrifying thing about that is then we're focused more on our works for God than worship before God. The the person who sees that only Christ has justified them, which is a very legal technical term. Mm-hmm. The reality that Christ has once for all made a sinner uh clean in the eyes of God because of his own righteous put on them that Christ took their sin he gave them his righteousness the reality of that is very comforting yeah and i think you know again there's aspects where we hear these theological terms and i think they can often come into our minds in a cold way but i really think there's a there's an incredible thing about a, a christian meditating on it and thinking back even, like, what's something that comforts me often is, especially when I'm struggling, because I'm more of a prone to work for God than to stop and worship God. Mm. And I think the the incredible reminder is always to think on the gospel, um, because if I think on how God has radically uh, changed my heart and saved me from my sin, then it causes me to stop and and see both the hopelessness and helplessness of if I was to be dependent upon myself, if I was to be attempting to be justified by my own righteousness, and then the reality of Christ, the righteous one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that is a helpful application, is to be able to really stop and meditate and think, 
what what took place in my mind and my heart when I came to know and love the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Because that is that's the moment of exposure. Yeah. Profoundly to Jesus Christ the righteous. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I want to I want to tag team on something you said too, which I think is a is a good avenue to go down. I think often um and I think this is big in reform culture too, um that we we will preach very ardently the doctrines of total depravity and that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, right? All of that. But then when it comes time to when it comes time to be thinking about God's God's pleasure with us, right? God's favor with us, how he looks at us, we often fall into a trap of living in a way as if sanctification is completely and totally on us, <laughs> mm. right? And that, okay, God saved me, but now I have to get to work because in order to keep God's favor, in order for him to stay happy with me, this is something that I have to do, right? And that we begin to view this grace that we have been given as more of a one-time thing when I was saved versus sustaining, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's sustaining grace, right? It's something that sustains us from the moment we are saved to when we are glorified and enter and enter into heaven. Right. Yeah. And I know that I have struggled with this mentality in my own life for sure that I know I'm saved. I know God has, has, uh, you know, you know, proclaimed me righteous because of Christ. But understanding how deep that actually goes is something yeah. that I think a lot of people might not give thought to. And that if you are saved, if you have been bought and purchased and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's pleasure and favor with you is not on some sliding scale based on how you're performing that day. Yeah. Right? Because when God looks at you, he doesn't see you right? He sees Jesus, right? And that's the wonderful truth about Christ being our advocate, right? Right? Is that he's our advocate. He is our, he's the one standing in between. He's the mediator right? between us and God, right? He doesn't step to the side now that we were saved and all right. And it's like, okay, God's looking at you now. So yeah, shape up, right? Huh. Christ never moves that position. He's, right. he's always there, right? And he's always interceding for us perfectly on our behalf, right? And I think it's something that, that we need to understand as Christians is that that God's, God's favor with you, and that's such a loaded term because it's it's like, I think it's a term that's been hijacked so much, especially in more Pentecostal sure. realms, like, oh, the favor God's of so God, God the you. favor of God's rest upon you, and that means that you're going to be like, really, really rich and have a lot of boats and like, you'll never get sick. Right. Um, so David, obviously with a cold right now, God's favor is not on you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you obviously did something. Apparently so probably didn't give enough money to I hung around somebody. my four year old. Well, so that'll do it. That's my, sick. that'll do it. <laughs> that's how I got sick. <laughs> that's how I was, <laughs> but it's fallen. true to right. get, to focus this back on the yes. topic. Yeah. It, it is true that, that, I mean, it can often be very, very hijacked. Yeah, um, yeah, but God's pleasure is a great thing. That well, you it were, is. You yeah. were saying, yeah, it on is. That. Yeah, yeah, and it's something that it's something that 
it is not a bad or a wrong thing to have confidence in because God tells us, like, in his word, Christ is your advocate. He is your righteousness, right? That's something you can take to the bank, right? And again, it provides, when thinking about it correctly, and this is where I kind of want to get into again, it provides the correct motivation for how we live, hmm. right? I'm not living in a way as to earn God's favor or earn his pleasure with me. I have that because of Christ, but I want to live in a way that testifies to that truth, mm. shows that I'm thankful for that truth, shows that 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 my love for Christ, my mediator, is 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 only increased because I know that He's never going to move away from that role in my life. Yeah, right? um, and I think that gives us some great hope when we do come into times of life where we are struggling with sin. Right where there are those times when it's harder to fight against the flesh, right? And the old man is winning more battles than he's losing in a particular time in our life, right? And we all go through that just because we, we are still warring with this flesh, right? Yeah. But something that I think is really important and, and again, coming from, I guess, a more counseling perspective is when somebody is, is battling against sin, to this degree, these truths are so are so comforting because it gives you the motivation, one, to not sin, because look at what Jesus has done for you, but it also gives you the hope that when that sin happens, because it will, you are not lost, you're not forgotten, you're not thrown away. God's love for you and his commitment to you is something that's unshaken because it's not based on your performance. It's based on who's standing in between you and him. And that's Christ. And that, that even becomes a really critical reminder as, as we move forward in, in the rest of chapter two, that becomes a really important practical application because I mean, again, the next thing John's going to talk about is if you, if you say you love God, then obey his commands. Right. Um, Right. And that can sound, which are um, not warring truths. Right. Right. They aren't exactly against each other. Right. And I think, you know, we can, it always comes to mind that the idea of, you know, a, a child who thinks if, if I go do this chore, then I can remain to be, uh, the child of, of this father. And they think that, man, if I accomplish this task, if I do this or that, then I will still be a, a child. And yet, Christ shows us this picture that it's not, it's not what you're doing. It's what Christ right. has done. And I think that's why, like, knowing the truth of the word propitiation mm-hmm. in, in verse 2 becomes really, really important for Christians, not so that they can you know, be with their friend the next week and go, you know, hey, I've learned the word propitiation and they can theologically uh, define it in great detail, but so that they would know the heart of the word. Um, And I think we've kind of gotten away from technical words because we want more easy uh, ways to approach things or or word things. But one of the things I tried to convey in the exposition is that the word propitiation to know it and to study it or to study theology is not cold if we're mm-hmm. if theology is cold we're doing it wrong 100 percent. yeah um and i i think of the times where i've learned these truths with my wife or with brothers at the church 
and just what an encouragement that is to know, you know, what, what John is really telling us here is that God's wrath upon sin is not temporarily taken away. It's literally turned away in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and well, and it has been put on Christ right. and therefore satisfied. Right. Right. It's not that it's like, oh, it's not that it just, it just, it just somehow disappeared and went and, 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 and you know, evaporated into the ether. Right. right? No, it had to it, go it, somewhere. It, it was, it was dispensed. Yeah. Fully on the shoulders of Jesus Christ and he drank it all. Yeah. Right. And like that, that is such an amazing truth. And if they're like, if there is no greater motivation than that to not sin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, yeah. there's lots of reasons to not sin. The fact that Jesus Christ is the one that took your punishment so that now you are enabled to not sin. And he calls you like, look, show me you love me because I, I showed I loved you. Now follow the my commandments. Yeah. Right. There's no greater motivation than that. Yeah. Especially with the the burden and the weight of our justification being based on our obedience taken away. Yeah. Like even that's gone. Yeah. He has he has literally taken every weight off of the obedience aspect of our lives. It, we are free to obey out of love. Yeah. And thankfulness and gratitude without fear that it's somehow being used as a barometer for our righteousness. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, one of the questions that I had thought of, of course, after the exposition. Of course. And of course, that's the the fruit of doing this podcast is being able to share this still. But one of the questions I had thought of after was really how valuable it is to ask, what am I... When I'm when I am in sin, or I feel the weight of sin, and I see the need to repent, what am I applying to that? Because I think often we are applying the wrong thing. I think what John's point is is to apply the gospel. Mm-hmm. So the gospel applied to a, a sinner is an incredibly profound thing because it even confronts issues of the flesh where we think, okay, well, I sinned, so now I got to fix myself up. I got to clean myself up. And we can sometimes put on this persona rather than really meditate on and truly confess and repent our sin before the Lord and have the gospel applied to that situation. I think of a friend before my first son, Micah, was born, a friend once asked me, what are you most excited about teaching your son? And I thought for a while and I said, I'm looking forward to teaching him that I am not awesome. I am not Superman. And my friend was really stunned by that, still a believer, but kind of stunned by that. And I said, I, I want to teach my son that I need Jesus every day. And I love John's reminder because he's saying, listen, you're going to need the gospel. Yeah. Here's the reality of sin. You're going to need the gospel applied. And I I don't think we're we're as quick to that as we should be. Yeah. I think we're quicker to um in some cases be really really hard on ourselves, in some cases not be hard enough. Sure. In yeah. In, yeah. in some cases I think we we ignore the reality of what needs to be thought through and what needs to be processed and confessed. Um, so I find John's words very encouraging and, and the reality of propitiation, that it's not just Jesus as another atoning sacrifice like we find in the Old 
sacrificial system of Israel, Christ is the once for all sacrifice, as the writer yeah. of Hebrews says. Yeah. That's encouraging. Massively encouraging. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like we've been saying this whole lap, it, it provides the correct motivation to follow his commandments. Yeah. Right. And to and to live lives that show we are grateful, we are thankful for the work that Christ has done. Right. Yeah. And a grateful heart is going to be an obedient heart. Right? Yeah. And someone who is has this correct motivation that understands your obedience does not equal your righteousness. Yeah. Christ equals your righteousness. But your obedience shows that you are thankful and that you love Christ for what he's done for you. Yeah. Right? It's a completely different and much a, a much better motivation. Love is always a better motivation. Yeah. Always. And you know, um in the end of that that statement in verse two, John gives an encouraging remark saying Christ is not only the propitiation for our sin, but the sin of the whole world. Right. And of course, that was an aspect we had to touch on in the exposition that we're not talking about universalism, that through the cross of Christ, everybody's now already saved. Um, And so in that, you know, a question did come up that is valuable for us to address in the podcast. Yeah. Um, Someone had asked me after... This is is questions. Questions. Yeah. Dude, dude, we we need to think up like a segment title for this, like (laughs) questions with Pastor David or something. I don't know. Something something to where like, okay, the episode's over, now we're going to get into some questions. I'll have like to think some, about some it. Theme like, music yeah, or some, yes, some something. Yes, something. Something. I might put some music over this or something. <laughs> Although that might be corny. I don't know. Well, okay. Well, while you think of that, I'll think of it. Why yeah. don't you give us the question that someone asked, David? Yeah, so please. I'm going to paraphrase here. But yeah. um, uh, someone had asked me um, because in the exposition, then I focused on um, the the picture that in in the New Testament, mm-hmm. the term world is often a reference when it's when it's talking about those who will believe, you know, the sins of the whole world. Right. It's often a picture of broadly of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Sure. And yeah. the way I really tried to unpack that um, in the midst of a of a head cold and and recovery. Excuses, um, excuses. I know. <laughs> I, I I really wish I could spend more time around that subject, but essentially what I tried to do is unpack the point that, you know, we see a picture of of what was really in the Old Testament, what would be called typology, that, Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you know, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up in John 3. Mm -hmm. And we see that back in Numbers 21, that Moses had lifted up the serpent, and those who looked upon the serpent... And that's really yeah. an incredible similar picture. Oh, it's, the people, it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, mine yeah, too. I love it. The people confess yeah. Moses goes before the Lord as mediator. Yep. And and then you have um, God making a way by Moses right. lifting up that serpent. Well, well, and even the serpent, like the... The, the picture the, of wrath. The picture of wrath itself. Yep. Uh-huh. Death itself. Sin itself. The thing that was killing you yeah. was now placed on the pole. Right. was placed on Jesus Christ and yeah. lifted up. And when they looked right? on it, they would, have, me they would live. Man. And because they would live, when yes. they looked upon it, it was grace, which is why we often say the cross is a picture of both wrath and grace. Yeah. The, yeah. Which that is also a really was, awesome uh, record label. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> One of my favorite hoodies is a wrath and grace hoodie. Oh, yeah. It's solid. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in that, what I tried to convey was in Numbers 21, we see the picture that 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 was the covering of their sin. Yeah. Um, and that is what 
gave them life, to look upon that. When John 3, after Jesus says that in verses, uh, I believe, uh, 14 and 15 to Nicodemus, that Moses lifted up, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. John writes, for God so loved the world. And that's a, I didn't go into that detail, but I, I personally believe John wrote that. That wasn't Jesus talking, so not a red letter fan there. Mm-hmm. But I think John was really clear in saying, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only Son to the to the world, to all those who believe upon him, they will have life. Right. And so that's a picture of both... Um, of both the Jew and the Gentile. Mm-hmm. And so the question that I was asked um, is that, you know, often in the sermon, I was really making the point that those who genuinely believe upon Christ will be saved, mm-hmm. not just believing Jews, but those all throughout the Gentile world. And the question was, how is it consistent for the Calvinist who believes in the TULIP, the acronym sure. that mm-hmm. spells out the, the belief of the salvation. The doctrines of grace. Yeah, yeah. the doctrines yeah. of grace. How is it consistent for a Calvinist to believe in the doctrines of grace, mm-hmm. and their their terminology was the TULIP, sure. yep. mm-hmm. and also to have a general call of repent and believe, yeah. and to say anyone who genuinely repents and believes upon Christ is saved. And, you fantastic know, question. For, it is a for, fantastic for, for question. For starters, great question. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, the first thing I wanted to convey to them as I answered the question was that, you know, the general call of the gospel is commanded by God. Mm-hmm. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, therefore all of us have a need to repent of our sin. Right. It's why in Acts 17, when Paul is uh, preaching the gospel, I believe in Athens... He contends that God once had passed over ignorance, um, but now he commands all to repent. And that is a picture there that in the Old Testament, you have the people of Israel, which is a type, we would call it in covenant theology. Mm -hmm. It's the picture that that was a people God had chosen, and he set those people apart from anybody else. And they had the sacrifices, they had the covenants, Paul says in, in Ephesians 2, once you were cut off, um, you Gentiles of the flesh. Um, but he says, now you are apart. Well, the, the distinction there is Christ. And so the picture we get is that once uh, the, the, the way of God was only for Israel, but through Christ, mm-hmm. all those who genuinely believe upon him will be saved. Right. And so the reason why then we can be consistent in, in both saying it's God who elects, it's God who predestines, is because first you have the, the general call that is commanded. And so to just kind of work through the tulip, in fact, you have total depravity. All have sinned and fall short, therefore all are required to repent and believe. Mm-hmm. But importantly, right there, you have unconditional election. Right. So as the call gets specific unto salvation, you have God who's unconditionally elected. You have Christ who goes and atones for the sin limited of the elect. And you have the Spirit then that is irresistibly drawing. And so before you then have those believers who are persevering as saints, I think what's important to remember, as I had conveyed to this person in our church, that again, when you have the call that is general, those who 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 believe upon Christ 
are those who God has done a work in their heart. It's God who's unconditionally elected. It's right. Christ who has applied the atonement work to, and the Spirit who's irresistibly drawing. Yeah, And so I think that's an important thing, that the call of the gospel has gone out to the nations. It's why mm-hmm. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations. Right. Um, he right. can say that because that call of the gospels have gone out. There's no longer an ignorance, and the, the nations are no longer deceived as they weren't, as they once were. Christ has defeated Satan, and so that clear call of the gospel can go out. And so I think that's a, a clear thing, but it's also a consistent thing mm-hmm. to say it's a general call with a specific application to the elect. Right. Right. And I think I think also with that because yes, I think I think that is 100% cosine on all that. I think with that it's also important to 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 understand that the end of verse 2 there when it says that he is the propitiation for our sins and not only ours but also the sins of the whole world, right? What he's talking about when he's talking about the sins of the whole world is also the the exclusivity of Christ's um, saving power, that there is no other way in the world for man to be saved, mm. right? Yeah. Um, he is not. He is not one way. He is the way, right? Like when he's right. talking about the sins of the world, he's opening it up and saying, like, like there is, there is no other way that this world can be saved. Other than the person of Jesus Christ, yeah, right. It's not just ours. It's it's everyone. It's not just exclusive to us because we believe it. it this is a universal truth that goes out to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. No matter what your background is, no matter what you believe, the only way that you can be saved is through the mediation of Jesus Christ. Right. Right. And so I think he's stressing that as well, is that this isn't simply a truth to be accepted or to be celebrated by those who happen to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, right? But then this party over here doesn't really apply to them because they believe in somebody else. So that works for them. Jesus works for us, right? Yeah. Um, he's saying, no, 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 no. It's not only ours. It's for the entire world. Right. That the entire world, their only hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right? So he's, he's I think, hammering in there the exclusivity of Christianity as well and the exclusivity of Christ's of Christ's advocacy and his work on the cross when it comes to salvation. Yeah. That it's not just for Jews. It's not just for Christians. It's that is the only way to be saved. The only Avenue, the only on ramp for everybody, the entire world, right? It's not, doesn't mean the entire world will be saved. It just means that the entire world only has one way to be saved. Right. And it's the person of Christ. Yeah. Right. And that gets really important as we, further get into talking about obeying commands and doing as God instructs, that we understand that even in those works as a believer, our only hope is Christ. 100%. To to both be saved unto salvation and sustained in the Christian life. Amen. Amen indeed. Love it, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Always good to chat. Dude, I love the questions. Yeah. throw, Throw more questions, people, because it's less us just... I don't know. Like I love focus stuff, you know, like Absolutely. You know, there's like I, I love uh, engaging with 
uh, you know, people in church talking about theology and practical stuff and just, I think it's great. Well, and I hope that, you know, something that our, our people at Redeemer can continue to know and, and be encouraged by is your background as a biblical counselor. And I think, you know, obviously we're not going to sit here and, and, and give all our, our nuggets of wisdom. That's not the focus, but to really talk about how are we going to practically apply these things. Yeah. But I do think some of your experience is helpful as you've really sought to help people walk through how do you practically apply the gospel and the truths of the scriptures. I think that, you know, as more people bring up questions, there's more ways for us to talk about these things. So love it. I love the questions too, and I'm, I'm hoping more and more people ask them and, and uh, get us thinking and talking more. Love it, man. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for chatting. Yeah. Thanks, man. It was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I need a nap now. I, I had a big it's breakfast. Food. It's the, the breakfast. Food. Yeah. Dude, it's that breakfast, man. That was that was a solid breakfast. Dude. It was really I'm good. I'm gonna have to uh, revisit. I might have to take my lady up there. And there you go. Yeah. yeah it'll be there good you stuff. go. Well, hey, whether you are a member at Redeemer, um, if you are, what's up? <laughs> if you're not, if you're listening from uh, a church afar, uh, thanks for listening. We, we we really appreciate it. We appreciate you guys interacting with us. We appreciate the... Uh, do we've got a couple ratings on Apple already. Five, nice. Five stars. That's man. awesome. Look at that. Who, Very cool. Who would have known, right? I'm still waiting They're for the one They're both from our wives. Yeah, but... you know what? Hey, 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 hey. They didn't need to know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, sweetheart, if you love me, you'll rate, you'll rate <laughs> yeah. me on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I'm not that vain. Um, so, yeah, we do enjoy uh, hearing from you guys. And there's lots of ways you can reach out. If you are at Redeemer, uh, you know how to get a hold of David. Um, uh, most of you might have his number or his email or something like that. If you're listening from afar, we are on the socials. You can find uh, Practica Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Practica Pod. Uh, pretty easy. You can find us there. Uh, we do have a website also that there's a little contact us form that'll get sent to uh, uh, David and I. Uh, we'll be able to see those questions and interact with you guys there as well. Uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. David, I will, uh, I'll see you next week, man. Looking forward to it. All right. We'll catch you guys on the next episode of Practica. Have a good week. Have a good week.